Hey, welcome to Better Betting. I'm Gary Quill, a.k.a. GQ, a.k.a. the King of Timonium. But the roar of the replays, Mr. Eric Rubin, who's the brains of this operation, he is on a uh, little uh, vacation, uh, taking in a uh, couple dozen exciting chasings up at a place called Saratoga Springs, New York. So I was away last week. Uh, he had Mr. T.K. Kugler sit in, and this is one of the rare times Eric uh, uh, isn't doing the podcast. Oh, hey, Aiden, um, Jake, do not stop listening. I've done my due diligence. I'm going to do my best impersonation of the role of replays, and I brought a little help along. Uh, former or former someone who's filled in for me in the past. And because I decided to go west to Delmar, this gentleman knows Delmar like the back of his hand. I'd like to welcome in once again, Mr. Christopher Otto. Chris, welcome back. Hey, hey, Gary, pleasure to be on. Even though Eric's not here, I love to talk about my favorite meet of the year, Delmar, even though so far, my performance at Delmar has been about bridesmaids and not and not visiting the cashier's line this meet. <laughs> well, you know what? At the beginning of a meet, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. Delmar's a couple of weeks in. Hopefully, uh, you'll you'll change your luck and uh, we'll find a find a few uh, uh, horses that we can cash in on. So, uh, uh, again, uh, we're going to go over Saturday's late pick five at. Uh, where the turf meets the surf, Delmar, and that's races six through 10. Um, but hey, uh, Chris, uh, you're, uh, you're on uh, Twitter and uh, you hang around Delmar quite a bit. Uh, tell us how, how the meet's been going so far, uh, not personally, but are there any biases we should be looking at or uh, hot jocks that uh, other than the typical yeah. uh, uh, no, not, not nothing, nothing in particular. Oh no, no, there are, there are. Oh, okay. So when it comes to the, yeah, but so when it comes to the jockey colony, you know, with Fabian Prop back in Saratoga now, it's pretty much people like to say it's been the Juan Hernandez show yeah. because Juan Hernandez is pretty much dominating. But they've been there have been two other jockeys that I have seen this meet that I've been very impressed with. Number one should be no brand to anyone, Joe Bravo. Joe Bravo has really stepped up his game this summer here at Delmar, particularly on the turf course and connecting with George Papa Padromo. So Joe Bravo has given, has replaced Fabian Prague to me as one of the premier turf riders. But then another rider where you want to get a price on is actually Hector Barrios. Now Hector is best known for a rider that comes from, um, from Gulfstream Park, but he has ridden the turf course with, with such an aggression, especially saving ground, while other jockeys look to tip out and, and, and get a clear run. So especially in his ride, you know, back on the opening weekend where he took a horse that was 30 to 1 in the morning line, trained by Marcelo Polanco, and he just saved every inch of ground throughout while um, the favorite in that race, by Roberto Rispoli, tipped out. And then Hector Barry just stood, you know, took over the rail and just won going away. And then he won to Clement Hirsch last week as well. So Hector Barry's, if you want a long shot rider, that I'll give you a good positioning. It's Hector. From a trainer standpoint, it's you know, if it's Chad on the west, if it's Chad on the turf in the East Coast, and it's Diamato on the turf here in the West, as we'll put clear seeing the sixth race with Glowing Global. So that's another main. Also look at trainers such as Mike McCarthy. Um, who's been having a great meet with horses that are underneath the radar. You also have to deal with, you know, horses that were trained up by, by George Papadromo, formerly trained by um, Richard Baltus. Right. So those were the trainers that you want to look at. But you also want to see horses, that trainers that were looking for the ship and win program. Because a lot of those guys, especially the ones in Florida, are coming in, and they want to get that ship and money coming in. So top Fisher from the Midwest. Some trains from the, from from Goldstream will come in and look for that ship and win money. As far as the the main track goes, sprint around two turns. You want to be pretty much around on the dirt course. Contested speed is not the best type of option. Hmm. You want horses that could be you know in Santa Anita. Maybe you can get away with that. 
here at Del Mar, contested speed won't work. Um, sprint races, you want to be forwardly placed, preferably on the outside. And the main track, it's pretty much fair. Turf course has been a big surprise for me this year because outside poles are actually winning and horses that can win on the front end. So it's been a very fair turf course, um, turf course this meet. Cool. Yeah, I, what you had mentioned about uh, formerly known as Jersey Joe Bravo, now Southern California <laughs> Joe Bravo, uh, I remember a few years ago that someone uh, asked him about, you know, what his preference was as far as races, you know, dirt, uh, turf, sprints, routes, and he's, he just – without blinking eye he says he loves riding on the turf for whatever reason he he feels like uh his game excels on the turf so yeah good good information chris uh since um we're missing this week the ruler of the replay i have anointed <laughs> you the duke of delmar so uh we're gonna lean on your expertise down at delmar since uh we're doing this rare late pick five at Del Mar on Saturday. So I know Eric is always uh, just shaking his head whenever I talk about this, but I always said that you know, in like baseball, each hitter, they have walk-up music. I always said jockeys should have walk-up music, you know, as they come out on the track for the post parade, mm -hmm. have each jockey as they show, you know, the information about the horse, have, have a walk-up music. So, I always said that, you know, Eric's always embarrassed by my pick. I, I'm an 80s music guy, and I, my favorite pump-up type of uh, song is Aha, Take On Me. So <laughs> putting you on the spot, if you were a jock or if you had walk-up music in your profession, what would it be? Holly Holy, Neil Diamond. Oh, okay. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> well, Everyone loves Sweet Caroline, but I grew up, my parents grew me up with um, Neil Diamond growing up, and that Hot August Night album was played consistently every single day. <laughs> so Holly Holy was just like, you know, embedded into my brain and my brother's brain as well. So when I think of welcome music, all I could think about is Neil Diamond with that long hair sing Holly Holy. Holly Holy. Well, you mentioned Sweet Caroline. And unfortunately, I just got finished uh, watching my Orioles take it on the chin to the Red Sox. And they sing Sweet Caroline for the seventh inning stretch. Yeah. So, so that's a, a, another Neil Diamond good one. But uh, the reason why I asked this, Chris, I just uh, when I, I saw what your Twitter handle is, now, your last name is Otto, A-D-O, <laughs> and your Twitter handle is Automatic01. Uh, so I thought of a song um, by uh, probably my most hated uh, musical group because they sung the song We Are Family when the Pittsburgh Pirates beat my Baltimore Orioles back in 1979 World Series. So this is what I would choose for your walk-up music. I think. <laughs> is that the Pointer Sisters? That's the Pointer Sisters. Automatic. <laughs> That. You know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny? That was actually played by a, by, a, by a graduation party that I attended the night before I graduated. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, they. I, I don't even know about the song. So when you played, you played the Pointer Sisters in Automatic. I was like, oh, that's the song that was played the day before I graduated from college. <laughs> that was that was a stupid thing. I I remember the song and how it went. But I didn't know who sung it. When I saw it was a pointer, so I was like, oh, gosh. But anyway, we digress. So um, without further ado, um, I'm uh, hell-bent on making this uh, podcast edition under one hour because I don't think between Chris and I, we can expand it out that far because uh, we're going to give lots of tidbits, I guarantee you, because Chris came ready 
um, but we're going to do it in hopefully a concise manner. So uh, yeah. without, without further ado, we're going to go to Del Mar on Saturday. Uh, starting with the sixth race is the uh, first leg of the late pick five. And it's a mile and a 16th turf race. It's the grade two yellow ribbon handicap for Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and upward. And we got a field of seven, Chris, with a prohibitive favorite number two going global. Um, do you see anyone there in that field to give going global uh, a run for her money? Nope. Glowing Global will win this race from the from the wire all the way to the to the Pacific Coast Highway. Okay. So, yeah. So to me, I mean, Glowing Global comes. I mean, all you have to do is just look at her last race, where she ran a huge race to be to be third behind Ocean Road, who competed in the Grade One, Ocean Road, and and going to Vegas, both who were participants in last year's Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf, won by Love by won by Love's Only You. Um, here at Del Mar. So Glowy Global to me is the pick. I mean, she, she will, she can seat up to about six pounds to other horses, but with Respoli on, she draws the inside with this big class drop. I mean, this is a significant class drop because of the horses that she's running against in today with her tactical speed. I'm right. not going to try to expand on it. Number two, Glowing Global is a single for me in the, early, in the late pick five. Yeah, I, I, I uh, was the chalk eating weasel here as well. And I, I think if you get six to five on glowing go global, that's going to be a, a big underlay because, um, I mean, you look, look at all the past races and they, these were like grade ones and grade twos. And she went off as the prohibitive favorite in those. And uh, the only, the only Philly that I, I see that, could have uh, an impact is the the one horse Avenue de France. Uh, the last uh, couple times when uh, Avenue de France ran in graded stakes, there were wasn't that much of a pace, and she definitely needs a little pace up front. Obviously, the number three uh, Javanka is going to have some uh, pace as well as the five Park Avenue. So. If uh, there's a glimmer of an upset and uh, any of our listeners just have to take a stand against going global, uh, you'll probably get a better price than four to one because uh, my thinking is going global might be a four to five uh, at post time. So, um, yeah. Chris, if you're if you're playing this, uh, you know, horse uh, vertically, um, who would you put underneath going global? I would play a straight trifecta. So I would use, you know, the pace should be somewhat moderate to hot. You know, Javitica, Park, Park Avenue, Rocking Redhead. So Park Avenue has always been a, a one-dimensional front runner. Javitica and Rocking Redhead were both 40 plays close to fast fractions in their most recent start. So I think this pace will be um, will not will be moderate to fast. So I think that works and then you can look at avenue de france who had that miserable trip when ferran Giroux, you know made that kamikaze wide move on may 30th <laughs> park avenue right yeah. and i mean kamikaze i mean go watch the tape how can a jock go from eight to second while park four wide that last quarter of a mile so you can understand why this horse flattened out late then juan hernandez got aboard him and then she paid for my car battery when she won opening <laughs> weekend so Thank you, Avenue de France, for paying off my car battery when I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. only other uh, uh, observations I, I can make in here, you know, yeah, Park Avenue, two for two on, on the lawn. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're in that graded stakes where they all have to run without Lasix. And whenever Park Avenue has faced uh, the competition, in either uh, the first two uh, times when uh, she ran uh, as a two-year-old um, on the dirt without Lasix, she finished um, uh, no better than third. And then her, her other three graded stakes, uh, fifth, fourth by 12, second by 13. So, you know, maybe, maybe uh, the Lasix uh, is what she needs yeah. or 
graded stakes competition just isn't for her. Um, if I was playing a trifecta, I'd throw in flippant uh, the seven horse huge number in that last race. And um, I made a comment that was dead heat for the win. I've never seen in any of the past performances in my lifetime a horse come back and win after dead heating for the win. Now, I would say that because, you know, dead heat, you think they're like battling down the stretch, but this wasn't the case. Flippin came flying on the outside and uh, looked like it got the worst of the bob, but it, it was indeed a dead heat. So uh, if, if uh, you put a gun to my head, I'd go a 217 uh, uh, trifecta. So I think we've beaten. Uh, uh, this uh, chalk uh, race, <laughs> good enough. Yep. Plant, plant, you know, four more races with plenty more to talk about. So we'll move on to the seventh race. Seventh race is for maidens, six and a half furlongs on the dirt. Maiden two-year-olds have a few first-timers and a few horses that have uh, seen uh, the racetrack in the afternoon. So, Chris, uh, I'll let you go first on uh, your opinions. Yep. So this is a first time. I mean, this is the type of race I love because this is the first meeting race here at Del Mar Open where they're running beyond five furlongs and five and a half. So you're going to see a lot of the horses that were just one dimensional speed balls going who split the field or one dimension or the near the race in the first start actually come back and appreciate this extra distance. So the the, the horse that I actually like in this race is a second time starter. Come from one of the barns that I mentioned before that is underrated barn. So it's going to be number three, Alexander, uh, Alexander um, Helos, who was actually in that fast maiden race on opening weekend, won by that Bob Baffert um, first time starter. And I felt that in that race, that horse definitely needed the race. Um, he was he was part of the pace, dropped back, chased, and then just ran evenly, spinning the fields throughout. The race was a fast number. I think it earned like an 80 buyer speed figure. And the horse who was the runner up already came back to win, you know, his next start. What I do like out of that race is the fact that now he gets blinkers coming on. He had worked very well according to the handicappers report up to that um, debut race. So the horse has ability and gets first time blinkers for McCarthy, who does excellent work with second time starters. And I just think this half brother to. The Preakness winner, Rumbauer, will actually enjoy the six and a half furlong, will actually enjoy more ground. So that's so, so that's going to be my top pick, but I'm going to double this race because there's a $1.75 million <laughs> horse by Dalla De Oro, who was a half, who was a sibling to the 2016 Breeders' Cup sprint winner, Dre Fong. And, and his name is, is, his name is Ultimate Gambler. Is that the, my people are not, are just, my PC is so slow right now. Is that the right name? Ultimate yeah, Gamble? You added the R to the end. It's number seven, Ultimate Gamble. So I guess what, when, you, when, when, you, when you pay uh, one and three quarter million dollars on a, a two-year-old, that is the Ultimate Gamble. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And this horse has been working lights out, according to the handicapper's report. I mean, if they put the, the horses right now, will be less as a fit and ready on their workout um, report sheet. And the difference between the handicap support and others, this is not a plug. They're not paying me, but they just, they, they send, they write up the works and send it out on a weekly um, distribution list. So what you see in the workouts right after it gets done is on the report. So they said, when I saw the workouts on this horse, I'm like, this is this is a runner. So that's and he's on McDaggley over a series of good works. And Mark Glad, he did train a horse called Dance to the Music last year, who won her career debut for these same owners, and had trained and had trained horses such as Collusion Illusion, who've also broken the main here at Del Mar in their debut. So these so when when Mark Glad has a very high, highly regarded two-year-old for these owners. You should watch out. So I'm gonna follow the trend and look at those fast works, and and um, use ultimate gamble. So for me, it's gonna be Alexander Kilos and ultimate gamble in the pick five. All right, cool. Uh, number. No, go ahead. Yeah, I'm trying to get the the the, the numbers, but my like my 
Mac is sunny frozen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, well, then what I'll do is, and I, I wanted to mention this uh, uh, when we started the seventh race, the number nine, one of five Baffert's uh, two first timers started in here. The nine true hood is an early scratch. So uh, Juan Hernandez was listed on that horse. Uh, so he's going to uh, jump on uh, the other Baffert first timer, the two Cave Rock, who Edwin uh, Maldonado was originally uh, listed to ride. So uh, what that tells me is that uh, with these two first timers in entered in here, uh, Hernandez went to the, the hotter horse, the more likely horse, I guess you could say. It's hard to believe that, uh, you know, uh, they would do that, not unless Bob's up to his tricks playing poker and, uh, you know, entered both of them. And Cave Rock really is the goods. You know, they paid only $550,000 as a yearling for this uh, son of Arrogate. Um, but uh, five to two, I'm going to, take a, a stand against it, uh, even though uh, all you see is bullet works. So the horse looks really fast and probably be licking my wounds if, if this horse happens. But uh, I'm, I'm not one to uh, get workout reports, but that was music to my ears because I kind of looked at uh, the pedigree on the seven ultimate gamble. And I really uh, liked what, what I saw there. So uh, Chris is on the three, uh, Alexander Helos, and along with the seven ultimate gamble, I took, uh, the seven ultimate gamble on top and, uh, you know what, uh, gosh, Doug O'Neill's got three horses in here. Can't, can't say, uh, the two first timers, uh, would be hot. looks like the four horse tall boy, uh, should have a future running on the grass with the mare being at, uh, by Scat, uh, Scat Daddy. And the other first timer on the far outside, the 10, stop and a tray, Kyle Frey is on there. But his go-to rider is riding the uh, five horse, 15 to one morning line, ship and scam. You know, you'll see, oh, you know, uh, after a, a, just a dreadful uh, first time around, uh, ship and scam. Uh, came back at Del Mar and with blinkers added, ran a nice uh, third, having a rough trip. But that was just against Calbreds, which ship and scam is. So uh, I'm going to uh, uh, give uh, ship and scam not much of a, a shot in here. But uh, uh, the, the two to one morning line favorite, the six, a belief in this living uh twice out twice a bridesmaid uh these type of horses tend to continue to disappoint uh when they're bet heavily at the window so um i'm gonna say the morning line favorite's going to come up short behind the seven horse ultimate gamble um so chris uh you still with me let's uh go go to the yep, i'm still here all right, that's cool. All right, so uh, the eighth so, race. Uh, yeah. yeah. So let me go back to the seventh race sure, real quick because now sure. my computer's back up and running again. Sure. So the second, the, the number two, Cave Rock. Yeah. You know, that 59 and bullet best of 91 work. He worked in company with a horse named Karma Road. Karma Road was a favorite last Saturday here at Del Mar and ran third with a 73 buyer. Hmm. So that, you know, take it, that you know, use that information as you will. Okay. With, Came in, um, you know, third in the, the, the stable mate over there. Uh, okay. Let's take a look. Uh, so, yep, those. That's pretty much the only tiny bit. Of, I mean, I I'm 100% believe with you with, with the belief in this life living was just that this horse tends to when you have seen two horses, you know, the two races now already become second, right? And it, it kind of develops some type of like habit where they become like a, a bridesmaid. Yeah. And these type of horses, when they stretch out, especially, they're going to get over bet because the public believes that this horse, you know, will appreciate a longer ground. Right. But in their third, I mean, look at the difference between a first and second start. Yeah. This horse in a sixty buyer. 
you know, whatever speed figure you use, 60 buyer speed figure, and then jump up to 81. Who's to say that a horse such as Alexander Helos or, you know, another Alexander Helos, who's also making the second start, can make the same type of progression to a first-time blinkers. And he's 10 to 1 in the morning line. So that's the thing where I'm looking at. It's like, who has the projection to move forward in their, you know, today versus horses that have just already been running consistently the same race the, between, you know, their last two starts. So that's the difference between the six and the, and, um, and the three, which is that I just felt like Alexander Helos has the projection to move forward for a barn that, you know, historically has done well with second time starters versus the, the six who I think we've seen his best race already. Okay. Sam, good. Again, good information. Thanks for uh, having uh, those uh, handicapper reports uh, with these young horses that, you know, they can, they can, you know, improve leaps and bounds from one race to the next. That's the exciting thing about these baby races. So uh, we'll move on to the third leg of the late pick five at Del Mar. The eighth race, one mile on the turf, optional claiming event, $80,000 for non-winners or two other than and they're all um, three-year-olds. It's a field of nine. And the interesting dynamic is out of the nine horses, four come out of the same race, another three come out of the same race, and then you have two other ones, one exiting a, a maiden win and another one that's been off for uh, nearly 10 months. So, Chris, I'll let you go first uh, with your opinions. Yep. So you mentioned that a lot of these horses come out of the same common races, which is a non-winners of one on July 23rd, opening Saturday, and then the opening day, and then the opening day Oceanside Stakes. So I'm going to take a horse that ran in the Oceanside Stakes. Number eight, Dandy Warhol. So Dandy Warhol, you know, broke his maiden at Dundalk on the synthetic, you know, in his debut earlier this year, and then was privately bought by Red Barons and Rancho's Temescal ownership, and then ran in the Oceanside Stakes. So it says, broke slow, lack room, clipped hills, three-eighths. Yeah, that's partially true when you watch the replay. So I'm going to do a little Eric and actually give you a lay down, a lowdown <laughs> of what really happened. So he actually broke, so he broke steps slowly, broke inwards, and then trailed the field early and just sat back, more than 10 legs back off a relatively quick pace, you know, early on. Then he tried to make a decent run, leaving the half-mile pole, going into the far turn. And then this horse was beaten to a spot and then clipped heels, forcing to steady right near this, right near, right past the 3-8 pole, where he now he even lost more position. Yeah. So he just took up. Tyler Bates decided, you know what, I'm just going to just go on with this and give this horse a good race, continue to save ground on the rail and into the stretch and actually produce a decent run to, to you know, to beat more than half the field home. So I called that, that this horse does have some ability for overcoming, you know, that little, you know, that trouble on the far turn and then still finishing up well to split the field. So now he drops in class into this numbers of one gets a late six and goes into, and goes for the, for one of the best turf rides here at Delmar and Bertha was So I called that a big upgrade from Tyler Bays. So number eight, Dandy Warhol to me is the pick. I know that Handy Dandy is the selection by many, but Handy Dandy really should not have had any excuse at all. You know, when, when he was able to save ground, tip out, and then was just out kick in the stretch by a, um, a North America, um, a horse making his first start in North America for Peter Erden back on July 23rd. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm kind of against the nine Handy Dandy because he had a good trip and couldn't finish the job. So number eight, Dandy Warhol to me, will be my other single in the pick five. Right. And I, I totally agree with you with uh, both of your observations because I went back and, and did my Eric Rubin uh, uh, ruler of the replay uh, analysis. And my comment on Dandy Warhol was nightmare trip. So uh, and, he, and and I think uh, the Moyne Line odds maker uh, must have uh, watched that as well because Seven to two, just on looking at the line for Dandy Warhol, you would think that's a, a kind morning line, but uh, it, it definitely tells the story if you watch the replay. I'm going to go in a, another direction. I'm going to bring out a, a, a bomb for my top pick. I'm going to go to the
the number one valid deer, 20 to one morning line with Victor, Victor Espinosa for pretty much almost the same reason the trip this horse got. I mean, this horse was pretty much wide the whole time uh, in this race at, at Del Mar uh, where Handy Dandy uh, was in that race along with Degree of Risk, the six horse and the seven, Sydney Street. And Victor, at the far turn, came running about five or six wide with this horse, ready to continue to make this move into the stretch when all of a sudden Sydney Street kind of veered out to try to get around horses and just went into the path of Balladeer. And Victor basically just stood up on the horse and said, well, there's enough for that race. And just kind of just sat on him, took care of the horse. And the horse on his own just kind of, uh, you know, finished up just uh, 10th, but just uh, six and a quarter behind uh, the rest of the field. And, you know, the winner and everybody else trying to get a minor share. So even though he was 21 to one that day, coming off of uh, a short layoff after breaking his maiden. And here, here's the other thing. I know there are maidens, and Eric always makes fun of me about liking older horses. But the reality is, I like three-year-olds who have faced older. And the reality is, yeah, Balladeer faced his, his previous three races in the maiden ranks. He faced older. Uh, but, yeah, they're all horses who haven't been able to win. But still... Uh, that race showed me that Balladeer can take a step forward in second time uh, on um, the turf as a three-year-old and, uh, you know, uh, make, make some noise, possibly make some noise. Uh, the other horse that I like in here is the one that's coming off of the long layoff, the three-horse optimizing at five-to-one morning line. Gets Lasix for the first time, and uh, this horse – had somewhat of a rough trip in the grade three Cecil B. DeMille last November before he took the winter off. But the impressive race was the race on November uh, uh, 5th, which was the Future Star Friday uh, Breeders' Cup day. And he made a really nice run and uh, just kind of, you know, the horse, the winner kind of snuck up on, on the rail uh, to catch him. So, um, you know, based on, on that, if the horse even just matures a little bit at five to one, I think that's a, a, a generous price on the three optimizing. And I'll just mention one more horse, uh, Chris, and I'll give it back to you for the horses you might like underneath. I'm kind of gravitating not only to uh, Dandy Warhol uh, for kind of uh, my spread in the pick five, uh, but the two, uh, the two is the ones coming off of two dirt maiden races, broke his maiden uh, against uh, a quartet of uh, maidens at Los Al. And that's not that impressive, especially he went off at like two to five. But the reason why I like this horse is he's turf bred. And he's owned by Peter Blum, who all he does is buy turf uh, or breed uh, turf, you know, uh, royalty. So I think uh, Showtime at eight to one with Mike Smith staying in the irons might uh, have something to say here. And uh, again, I mean, we could probably, Chris, we could probably talk about each of these horses and make excuses for all of them. So uh, for my pick five, I'd probably go a three, two, I'm, I'm sorry, a one, two, three, eight. So uh, is uh, Dandy Warhol kind of like a single for you or would you like the spread? No, I'm gonna single. I'm gonna single. I'm gonna single this race because, you know, with with the favorite that we're gonna single going the next leg too. I want to be able to create some separation with the other tickets. Okay. So what I what, what I always like to say, I like when people zig, I like to zag. So Definitely. I'm gonna just single the A Dandy Warhol. Awesome. Yeah, and and that I've preached that uh, on past podcasts. It's like, you know, people get all excited. When, you know, they spread and, oh, they get a price in a, a leg that was the logical, you know, race to spread. 
And like you just said, when everybody's zigging, you need the zag. So yeah, if you could find find a horse and you, you made your case for uh, Dandy Warhol, the eight uh, in race eight. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's a good reason to single him. So we'll now move on to the ninth race, the fourth leg of late pick five. And this is once again, a grade two. This is for two-year-olds. The grade two Sorrento at six furlongs on the dirt for the Phillies. And Chris, once again, I'll let you go first with your opinions. But we do have another early scratch. The seven horse Infinite Diamond will not make it to the gate in this one. So we're down to a field of six. Yep. So between the two, so there's three morning line faves. So there's pretty much three horses that I can narrow down this field to number one procrastination, the, um, the five satin doll and the six absolutely zero. So I'm going to make this race a single for me again. I'm going to go back to Mike McCarthy with number one procrastination, because one thing is McCarthy rarely wins a first time starters, mm -hmm. but what he does win with a first time starter, then, you know, the horse has got some talent and ability and it's not this time. Um, this not this time. Philly actually broker made it from the inside at uh, low side of meals, which is not the best place to be is on the inside there at okay. a low cell. Cause it's most likely the, it's the slowest part of the racetrack. And this horse just dusted that field by eight lengths. Now, the negative part about that race is that the, the horses that are behind procrastination have done very little. In fact, I believe all of them have finished off the board. So, you, so that's a negative, but the positive is, okay, is that this horse does have speed and has been working well, you know, very well according to the handicappers report since that debut race. And a Mark McCarthy horse has improved in their second start. Like I mentioned before with Alexander Helos, then I think that number one procrastination will be that horse that can make that step forward in their, in their second career start. Um, number five, Sandendal won an opening weekend at Del Mar, but that race to me was a little bit of a dressed up race because she was lagging far back off a, very, a fast pace, 21.96 the first quarter. It was able to run down the whole field late, you know, run down the whole field through the stretch. But the one thing you need to know about that race was that that was a day when the outside paths and closures were doing best at Del Mar. And this horse rolled the bias to perfection. So I think then her second start, especially if there doesn't appear to be a whole lot of early speed, because outside the one, I don't see a whole lot of early speed with the exception of the number six, absolutely zero. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that the five Sandal will get the same pace scenario as she did in her debut win. And then number six, absolutely zero. You know, I can't like this horse simply because she beat me out of a lot. I bet the horse was runner up in a, in a giant pick five. <laughs> and this horse stood up the, on the inside, saved every inch of ground and got, and I was beat. So that was a fun day. Not, so, you know, I, I'm kind of not, but in all seriousness, you know, I, I didn't feel like the two-year-olds at San Diego were that strong of a group this year. Sure. And I've just felt like that absolutely zero, you know, stepping up, you know, now facing, you know, now facing, you know, she now facing much more of an experienced field. I want to say more experienced, but I just believe that a much tougher field than she faced at San Anita, her last two starts. Then I just think that, you know, absolutely zero is a, is a prime content to play against. So, and she's the second, I believe she's the second choice at nine to five. So yeah. in a small field, I'm, I'm going to just go with the, my, with my guts here and just think that number one procrastination is the goods and single the one in the um, penultimate leg in the pick five. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, right or wrong here, here's how I kind of look at uh, these babies, you know, since they're, typically running four and a half, five furlongs. Uh, you know, everybody, a lot of times when they're looking at uh, the actual times, you know, they, they look to see, you know, what the first uh, quarter, you know, uh, the first furlong was to see how fast it was. But I, I tend to look at what, what were the fractions between the four furlong and the five furlong, that last furlong, what what did that horse personally run in? And you kind of, you know, when, when a horse like closes, uh, like the two horse Vegas Magic, 
where at the four furlongs was probably about uh, uh, five, you know, five furlong, uh, five, five lengths back, or you know, it's three and three quarters. You kind of have to do your own math there, but uh, oh, that's a long-winded uh, um, ex explanation for saying that uh, of all these horses, the one horse procrastination, even though the horse won going away, and it says powered away, uh, ran the fastest, you know, fi final uh, uh, furlong going 11 and two, whereas like compared to um, absolutely zero when uh, she won against the boys in that uh, basic tipped in futurity at Santa Anita, her final uh, fraction was 24 and four. And then like uh, Satin Doll, who you like, hers was uh, uh, 11 and three. So that I, I kind of try to use that as a way to try to see these young horses who really is, you know, do running the fastest when they have to be running their fastest. And, you know, that, that pointed me to procrastination as well. But with that being said, um, I think uh, procrastination may not even uh, get the lead, which, which might be a deterrent from, from, you know, that uh, uh, rail post, because uh, I think, believe it or not, absolute uh, zero and uh, even the three horse, uh, Dazzling D'Amica, they uh, have the early foot that they might be able to get the jump from the rail on procrastination, which actually, you know, she might benefit, uh, you know, being in a stalking trip uh, there. But um, with all that said, uh, I, I'd have to be on procrastination as well. The, the, it, it just a visually impressive type of race, even though you said, you know, she she basically ran against the clock. She didn't run against the other horses. You know, when you win by eight, uh, the other ones, uh, you know, may not come back to, to do anything. But um, she was definitely, uh, you know, impressive in in that race. Um, you know, I, I I take a flyer uh, with, um, you know, your horse, the, the five satin dial uh, as well. But I, I probably uh, wind up single and since you know it's chalk you know it's a six horse race you have to take a stand if you want to uh you know and we're already like you had said in, in the last race we're already single and you know six to five in the first leg so we can't go too deep expecting to cash or you, you don't go deep and just pray that you get a price because everybody else is probably going deep as well so um we're both we're both on uh, procrastination there, and not to procrastinate any further, we're zipping right along. So we'll finish this puppy up with the tenth and final race, another maiden race on the turf, going a mile and the sixteenth for three year olds and up. It's a field of eleven, and Chris, uh, bring us home with your selection. All right, this is the best race. On, this is the best of the of the. Of the five races on this card that we analyzed, this is the best gambling race. Okay. So, there, there, and there's a ton of trips. If Eric was here, I think he'd go on for 20 minutes <laughs> talking about the trips of every single horse in this race. I that, agree. That, that, that trips there are in this race. So, I'm going to, I narrowed this down to two horses, and the one that I like is 20 to 1 the line. Number nine. Seven Wonders. So shows in the form of slow, bro broke in, bumped. Forget about similar to what we talk, we talk with Dandy Warhol. Right. All you have to do is cross the trip because this horse, the last quarter of a mile from the three eight pull home, this horse had a miserable trip. Yes, he broke inward from his well draw. He trailed the field early, racing in the two path. Then he started to begin his run, leaving the half mile pole. However, when he was stuck on the inside, he got stuck in traffic because you can see Joe Bravo was trying to maneuver his way through the field, trying to find a clear path. And clear path never, ever developed. He tried to go outside, no run, and the hole got shut down. Eventually, what happened was that Joe Bravo just literally just took, just wrapped up on the horse late, and the horse beat six other horses in that race. So while the favorite prey for me, 
Pray For Me and Ray was second. Go watch it in, in closer because I think the nine is a lot closer in ability than, than, than his sixth place finish and 31 to one odds would indicate. So I think this this son of Pioneer the Now with where Jersey Joe Bravo, as you talked about, loves the turf course, will make leaps and bounds and improve in his second career start. But I think another horse that you have to look at is the speed of this field. We're turning off a long layoff, and that's number 11, Devil's Moon. So Devil's Moon is a full blood to Magna Moon, who actually won the, um, who entered the Kentucky Derby, was undefeated back when he ran the Derby. And this horse here actually ran in a key race and it was the only turf start back on February 25th where three horses came back to win their next start. He was part of the early pace, dropped back and raced evenly through the stretch. And then last time out, ran the, ran, ran the main track, was parked widely on, down the back stretch and still ran evenly, being in 12, being um, double-digit lengths behind High Connection, who won the Low South Derby and two starts later. And then the horse Bundock actually was actually won his next turn, I believe, was sixth place in the um, the Sir Barden in the Sir Barden Six Man Ethereal Road on Preakness Day. So, and he's been working extremely well. The horse he's been working out with is Showtime, according to the Handicappers Report. And this horse has been out working Showtime in the morning. So. He outworked him in those five front and six front out works back on July 31st and August 5th. So with Juan Hernandez for Richard Mandela, expect number 11, Devil's Moon, to show speed and play, catch me if you can. So to make this race easy, 9 and 11 in the pick five for me. Nice. And uh, I totally agree with your assessment on Devil Moon. Even, even though the bloodlines aren't heavy, you know, turf influence, the, the horse definitely wants more than six furlongs. The horse wants two turns with that pedigree. And, and I think uh, he'll definitely, uh, show or yeah, he, he'll definitely benefit from that. Um, but uh, uh, you should have told me about uh, this horse uh, outworking uh, Showtime, which I gave all kind of accolades to uh, two races back, thinking he'll take to the turf, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, um, I think, Eric would, would have spent an hour alone on this race. Uh, th this was the Hall of Fame of troubled horses. Uh, I mean, you just have to go back and, and look at every single one of these horses last race, and uh, they all found trouble. Uh, and that, that's what made it so difficult to really, you know, it, it, it's sometimes, you know, you'll look at replays of, you know, 10 horses in a race, and, uh, they all had either dream trips or no excuse. Uh, and here, um, every route play I saw, I'm like, well, there's an excuse there, excuse there. I mean, uh, I I landed on the four spy catcher who was actually uh, ran against uh, a bunch of the horses from race eight, I believe it was. Yeah, race eight that we talked about, uh, the handy dandy race and uh, Sydney Street, uh, degree of risk, and uh, ball, uh, ball of deer. Um, you know, the fact that they brought this horse back into uh, a race um, for winners and he didn't embarrass himself uh, tells me that they, they think this horse has ability. And uh, so uh, at four to one, uh, I'm not uh, giving you any big price, but I'd be on. Uh, with, uh, I think, yours and my favorite uh, turf rider, uh, Rispoli, on the four-horse spy catcher. Um, I'm along there with you with Devil Moon, and uh, probably the biggest morning line price that I can uh, uh, hope that uh, he, uh, he can uh, come through is the six-horse Irish Prophet. Again, uh you know, that last race on, on June 18th ran second, uh, but uh, had all kind of trouble coming into the stretch, trying trying to uh, make room and had, had to go wide and it had other issues on the back stretch as well. So, you know, who knows? It, it, this race might come down to whoever gets the best trip based on these. And, you know, we've seen it in the past, Chris. Some horses just find trouble. You know, horses find trouble in a four-horse race, let alone a, 
11 horse race. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to go four eleven six uh, here in the 10th. And, uh, you know, we'll let you guys uh, figure out uh, who you would like to have in uh, the pick five. But uh, I think we gave you enough chalk and enough uh, um, prices that uh, something to chew on. And uh, in Eric's absence, I hope we didn't disappoint uh, the listeners. I think we gave out a lot of good information. Uh, hopefully, Eric will let me back on next week uh, when he gets back from his uh, whirlwind vacation. Poor guy. I mean, he's had a rough summer. He's, he's been uh, trotting the globe. Uh, going to horse races and it'll all come to an end in a few weeks because school starts. So uh, it'll be back. <laughs> it'll be back to reality. <laughs> so, so, so Chris, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on um, your uh, uh, analysis and, and the information you gave that uh, uh, we always can't get from just looking at the, the, the PPs. Uh, was a, a wealth of miles. I appreciate uh, you coming on. You got it, Gary. Anytime you, anytime that you and Eric need me to come on, just you know, I'll hop, I'll hop on the Zoom. We can talk the ponies for an hour. I swear, you'll only be an hour, not ninety minutes, and I will not <laughs> be sick. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I think, yeah, and I know we kept it under an hour, probably about fifty minutes. So there you go. So um, uh, again. Thanks, Chris. Best of luck to you. Hopefully uh, no more bridesmaids uh, types of selections and uh, the, the rest of the Del Mar meet. Uh, you, you'll uh, have a, a profitable um, uh, time there. So uh, again, Thank listeners, you. thanks a lot for enduring my uh, uh, piloting this podcast with, with uh, our special guest, Chris Otto. Chris, uh, if you're listening and you're on Twitter, you always know uh, where to find our guests because we uh, tag them on Twitter, but he's at automatic 01 and uh, give him a follow because uh, he'll uh, tweet out uh, some good information. So Chris, thanks again. Thank you everyone for listening. And in my uh, absent uh, co-host way, he always signs off Uh, until next week. Ta-ta.